Hey guys, this is Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm very fortunate to have Megan White. Weisheit, I think I said it correctly, but I'll have her correct me once she comes on. Uh, we're primarily going to be talking about, I think, sports massage and sort of elite athletes as clients. But Megan has a really diverse background in the massage and bodywork community. I'm really fortunate to have her on the podcast to talk about components. I think of social media marketing and building the kind of practice you absolutely want as a massage therapist, potentially in a niche market. But let's get involved in the podcast and chatting with her and see how it goes. And Megan, can you give people a little bit of information about you? Um, again, pronouncing your name correctly because I can't do it. <laughs> and then two, where they can find you, wherever you want to steer them to, your website or social media. Perfect, perfect. You pronounced it just fine. Um, my name is Megan Weisheit. <laughs> uh, I have a little background. I've been a therapist about 12 years now. Um, Education-wise, my specialty is actually prenatal. I have over 400 hours, everything from fertility to um, infant massage. But I got into working with athletes after being fired from one of the major chains and using social media to build my practice. If you want to find me on any social media, it's Massage Megan. Megan spelled M-A-G-E-N. So it was a little bit different. Cool. Thank you so much for giving that info. So when we talk about uh, massage stuff, like, is there anything that's just eating away at you that you want to talk about first? Oh, eating away at me. I think one thing is so many therapists, they um, get into the industry thinking they're going to make like big bucks and paying your dues. I think that's huge. And it's a, I think it's missed on the, in the industry. Oh, are we, are we getting old? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> These kids better get off my educational lawn. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, but paying dues, um, it's not so much to massage educators or school owners. Um, I think there's something about the art form and building the practice that just takes time. Um, you know, I, I think a massage therapist, depending on their hands-on hours, let's, so I'll give you a quick idea. If I was going to go out and find, get a massage knowing nothing about it, I probably wouldn't want to work with someone who's been in practice less than five years. Really? Five years? Yeah. Hmm. That's my, my first thought when I think about it is just because, yeah, I think it takes like five years to really hone some of your chops and you know, get it together. Maybe some people uh, mature more quickly than that, but I think it took me a long time to figure it out. I, I could see that. Um, I personally am not too picky when it comes to receiving, um, but I am super picky whenever it comes to sending people to my clients. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you talk about people paying their dues, do you feel like they just want to skip steps, newcomers? Uh, I, hold on. I don't know what happened here and I'm moving and I think you guys just got a shot of all my shit. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, Did you you flip the camera around? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm moving, so there's uh, boxes packed everywhere. Okay, so... um, Repeat that. Okay, we were talking about paying dues and repeat yourself. Yeah, so do they they just want it too fast? Like, are they not willing to to do the work, to build the business. They, they want it just immediately. And pricing. I think pricing is a huge thing. And we have conversations about this a lot on the groups. So many people get into the industry and they're immediately wanting to charge $120 an hour or $200 an hour, whatever it is. And, um, you really have to first off, find your market, which we've talked about. Um, and then make sure that your price fits your product. And massage is your product. I think a lot of therapists miss that part as well. Yeah. I mean, rates, you know, people will come into massage entrepreneurs and they're all over the United States or around the world. And they're asking, like, how much should I charge? And it's like, I I don't know where you live. I don't know what the economy is like. I don't know what your client base is. You know, generally, I want therapists to get paid and raise their rates, but they have to incrementally do that in a way that works for the client base that they're trying to serve. Absolutely. And your product has to match. That's the I think that's the biggest thing, Um, especially if you're not getting criticism about your massage or even better, you're getting criticism and not accepting it. So we see that. I see that quite often with therapists. Oh, but I mean, but Megan, a massage is a massage is a massage. It's all the same, right? Right, 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 right. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times I will, as an educator, I will tell people that I don't think they have a problem with their body work. I'll say that they have a problem with business. And then like Michael Ortiz in particular will be like, mm, hold on. <laughs> as somebody who, who hires massage therapists is like, they're having problems with the body work too. Like we got we to gotta work on this and craft it. Um, I think uh, for me, some of it comes back to from a business perspective and the art of the massage and body work itself – I think you need to try to remain open to criticism. It doesn't believe it's in other words, if somebody criticizes me, they're not attacking me. They're trying to give me information to improve things. And I get to take that information with a grain of salt and determine, okay, is that information beneficial to me or giving me some insight into how they how other people view my service so that I can change things, tweak it and make it better. Absolutely. And, and taking, I think in taking feedback, you got to take a couple things into consideration. One, if it's a client, is it your picture perfect client? Because quite honestly, if somebody comes in to me and they want a Swedish massage and then they tell me my massage sucks, I'm going to tell them, yeah, I know it sucked. Like that's not what I do. So if they're not my um, target market, I give honestly two shits about what the feedback you give me. Or if it's another therapist and they're not in my industry, they don't do what I do. So why would I, why would I value that? But with that being said, um, there's a little bit, there, you should take a little bit from everything, everything that somebody says, um, at least take it into consideration. And my, yeah. one of the big things too, is on, pro, on the professionalism aspect. So, um, or yeah, professionalism, customer service, um, for a long time, when somebody asked me if I was good at what I did, I would just say, I'm okay. It took me a while to be like, no, like I'm damn good at what I do. Yeah. 
I, I, I refined it and, and I really, oh man, uh, I, I, I clawed my way out of poverty <laughs> and I had to really school of hard knocks it. And what I started to do more so was I, I fixated in my marketing, my messaging about chronic pain. That's what I have experience with. That's what I like to work with. And, um, it's what I mostly am teaching to, to uh, students, even though I still do some relaxation work. It's not that my work isn't relaxing, but I tend to focus on problem solving. Um, I found that was just a better spot for me because as long as I could solve a problem, they didn't care that I listened to Post Malone in session. As long as I solved a problem, they didn't care how I dressed. As, all, as long as I solved a problem, they didn't even care that I had a home studio and it was a little dusty. Like, that worked for me in a way that I knew that I was not going to excel in a spa environment. That just wasn't what I felt called to do in any way, shape, or form. In the end, it always goes back to how can I better serve the group of clients that I'm trying to market to? If I can't serve those clients, then I've got a real problem because I have bills to pay and money to make and you know, got to figure it out. Absolutely. I think we're two in the same in that. <laughs> I mean, attitudes, like when you talk about professional, holy moly, how many conversations have I had recently where, um, Megan, let me ask you this. This is, this is something of interest to me. This has been going on for me. When you, when you are dressed to go see a client, and I'm assuming you're doing out call, let's say it's like a pro athlete. Is it like football players, basketball, or are you focusing on certain? All of like, it. All of it. How are you dressed how do you so I'm, I'm actually in between clients right now. Um, yeah. I, I came home. I've been working with the XFL today. And yeah. so I came home just to do the podcast, and I'm going right back. I did change shirts because I was wearing a T-shirt. But just like this, my hair is in a bun. Um, yeah. I have... I had a t-shirt on jeans and I actually wear flip-flops, which yeah. in all honesty, if you look at me, um, right now, I don't know if professional would like, fall in, <laughs> like if I would fall into that category of professional, but I've already made a name for myself, um, yeah. to where That's I don't have to show up the same. And that's the thing that I'm, I'm perpetually confused by. I, it's not clients, by the way, I get feedback from students and feedback from school owners and feedback from like industry professionals. They're like, Robert, you, you need to change your appearance. And I go, okay, do I need to cut my hair? Do I need to not wear Thai fisherman pants? Like, do you really want me in khakis doing this work on a mat where I'm kneeling on people and standing on them? Like, I don't understand what they want me to wear. Like, I keep having this conversation because they're like, well, it's not very professional. And I'm like, yo, I pay my bills. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't understand what you think professional is. Post Malone has face tattoos and, you know, raps about Budweiser, you know, um, it's like, I don't understand, uh, Bud Light, I should say, uh, Bud Light, if you want to sponsor me, contact me. Um, <laughs> what I don't understand is like their notion of what professional is. I don't work in a spa. You don't work in a spa. But I seem to have that majority mindset about what like, what professional is that I just don't understand in our industry specifically. I, I think um, there's a time and place for everything, first off. Just like I said earlier, um, how I dress now is very different from whenever I got started. 
Um, and then what I like to tell therapists that reach out to me to add, that ask like, what should I be wearing? How should I be presenting myself? Um, look at your target market and then like, how do those people see a massage therapist? So if I'm going to work for a team, so I get called by a lot of FIFA teams, I don't go in t-shirt and jeans and flip-flops. Like today was very different with the XFL because I was called by a player. If a FIFA team calls me, Team Canada calls me, and um, I go looking like I work for the team. So you, I observe, and most of them are wearing khakis or slacks and a polo shirt. So that's how I show up. And the reason yeah. for that is because I don't want to ruin the first impression um, before, before I even am able to build relationship. After you build relationship, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's where I, I don't know that, that notion of, about professional just completely perplexes me uh, in our industry. And I think our industry overall, in my opinion, is kind of young. I would say it's only come of age in the last 30 to 40 years. So I think I still feel like it's trying to find its center, especially when it comes to private practitioners who, you know, aren't representing a large box chain, like, independent massage therapists like in my head when i think about how does a massage therapist dress nothing comes to mind i really i don't have any preconceived notions about that at all hmm. that's interesting because i feel like with each target market the group of people do kind of have an idea and I, what i like to see i see a lot of therapists that whenever i start talking to them about it they're like well you want me to change who i am I'm not asking you to change who you are, but if you want a successful practice, and you and I might disagree on this, but if you want a successful practice, you have to first be accepted, and the way that you're presenting yourself is part of it until you make a name for yourself. I mean, I <laughs> I had a conversation with a school teacher. It was absolutely hilarious. So local school, uh, the teacher contacted me, said, Robert, we want you to come in and talk about social media marketing. And I was like, sure, whatever. And then after we got through those basics, now she knows me from online. She sees my videos or whatever. And then she goes, Robert, I got to tell you, there's some things I don't like about you. And I said, you don't like the way I dress, do you? And she's like, no. I said, you don't like that shirt I wear that says ideas or shit. And she's like, no, Robert, it's not very professional. And I'm like, you know I wear that almost as a stage prop, correct? And she went, what? Like, she was completely confused because I wear a Gary V t-shirt that says, ideas are shit. Execution is the game. Because I'm trying to connect with other Gary V fans online, but all she sees it is, is like, he's just, it's just not very professional. <laughs> I'm like, lady, you're calling me. <laughs> like, I didn't seek you out. <laughs> right. It worked. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think that's the conversation I was having is I think you're more aware of set and setting and how it's going to influence things. You know, mm -hmm. I don't wear Crocs, but I kind of feel like Post Malone in our industry. Like the whole attitude is I can do whatever I want because you don't pay my bills and you don't own me. So I can just continue to dress however I feel that I need to dress. It's not about offending people. It's just, especially because I do a mat, uh, a clothes on mat version of work where I'm like kneeling on people and, you know, using crazy joint mobilizations. 
I don't really know what people expect me to do as far as like uh, my clothing and attire to be deemed professional. Like I'm not wearing a suit. <laughs> right. That isn't, that isn't the nature of my current business. We'll take just a quick break. Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I just want you to know if you are looking for workbooks, DVDs, bodywork, manual therapy, educational materials, you can find all of that at robertgardnerwellness.com. We have a free trial <laughs> subscription service. It is the absolute cutting edge of interactive online education in the massage industry, and it's absolutely free for your first month. It is $7 a month thereafter, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, you can find all of that at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. There's also a whole list of current classes coming up in Austin, Fort Smith, Arkansas, and Chicago, Illinois, with more dates to come. And Megan, introduce yourself again, and then go right back into our clothing and professional discussion. <laughs> I'm Megan Weisheit. Um, You can find me on all social media, ha um, at Massage Megan. Um, so we were talking about what we're wearing while we're massaging. You were talking about your T-shirts. And, um, <laughs> and like, I say your T-shirts. I don't mean it like that, but um, or offensively. So I think that what you're saying is great. If you're paying your bills, it's yeah. not like if you're not paying your bills, just like you said earlier, something's got to change. And so if you're hearing that it might be your clothing, then shit, what does it hurt to, cha to change your clothing, you know? Well, it makes me want to dress in costume. One video, I'll be in like <laughs> a cowboy hat jeans. Another video, I'll be driving a Maserati. Another video, I've you know, like Lil John in is is in it and doing the background music, like, <laughs> you know, I, like I'm totally willing to change my attire, but it's just such a weird uh, scene because I don't really aspire to do a lot of what I've seen other educators in the massage industry do. I didn't get into this industry to wear khakis. I I agree with that totally. Yeah, I think the end goal for everyone is do what you want when you want, right? Oh, that's what my my end goal is, <laughs> and that's that's exactly how how I feel about it. Like I find it interesting. Massage therapists seem to respond to a sort of groupthink, where they want authorities and regulators and school owners to pat them on the head and approve of them, instead of like going to massage therapists or educators who are absolutely winning in their practices and then emulating that. Absolutely. I tell therapists that all the time. I hate hearing a therapist come to me and they're like, so-and-so said, so-and-so said, so-and-so said, is so-and-so living the life that you want to be living? And if not, who cares what they're saying? <laughs> and that's why I love you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, there's so much uh, mother henning in the massage industry. There's just an older notion of what professional is and how it's supposed to be. Uh, you were one of the therapists that I talked to early on that completely floored me in your use of social media marketing. Uh, you were doing things that I, I have never heard of other therapists doing um, as far as connecting with 
uh, reaching out to potential clients. I'm still in absolute awe of that first conversation I had with you all those years ago about Twitter. Um, I mean, you taught me about Twitter. I mean, I, I understood something about that platform that I hadn't clued into prior to that conversation. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Because we talk about image and marketing and dress. What about like social media and the way you're interacting with it? Sure. So um, just to give a little bit of background. So whenever I started, I talked earlier about um, I got fired from one of the major chains. And whenever I got fired, I was like in struggle mode. Like, how am I going to survive? What am I going to do? And then I had to decide, you know, what markets aren't going anywhere. I want longevity in my career. So I chose my target market, which is professional athletes. I also do some prenatal stuff, but professional athletes. And whenever I chose to use, well, I'm thinking about this market and I'm like, how am I going to have access to them? I can go to nightclubs, go to strip clubs, uh, or I can go to social media. Twitter was just getting started. That was what, like 10 years ago, about 10, 11 years ago. And, um, and I was just watching the way that it worked. And I realized early on that it's a direct contact to whoever you'd like to speak to. And at that time, not a lot of people had realized that they just thought it was okay. I'm going to tweet that I'm going to the restroom now, or I'm going to eat dinner. They didn't understand the connection to other people. So I was real quick to start um, reaching out to um, professional athletes. So with that being said, moving forward um, with social media nowadays, I still use I still use Instagram in the same manner. Um, it's not as successful as it was then because whenever I was reaching out to the NBA players, on average, I was getting two players per NBA team to reach out. I actually went from working on two professional athletes to almost 300 in one year, which is insane. Yeah. Um, and now Instagram, you use the same way. So with social media, I feel like you have to watch the way that it's being used and then figure out something a little bit different, figure out yep. what's working and figuring out a little bit, something a little bit different to be noticed. Yeah, I, I completely, I think I learned more from looking at other businesses and their marketing than I have from inside the massage industry. And a big part of it for me was just the complete understanding. Okay, Robert, yeah, okay, it's a little different, but it's completely closed on. You can film and photo document everything. And I poured gasoline on my social media channels, and that's worked inordinately well. I'm educating and schooling other students of mine to do the same, and then it's amazing to see them. Just They just make some little simple videos. They teach, they show people what they do, and they're like, Robert, I got a client. And I'm like, good, do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. When people know about you, they can purchase your service. When you're not putting out any content on social media, I get very nervous about people's businesses when they have no social media presence. Very nervous. Absolutely. Nowadays, it's your, your Instagram is basically your business card. People, people ask for your social before they ask for a business card or even your phone number. A lot of times they don't even want to see your phone number. They want to follow you on Instagram because they want to want that constant reminder whenever you upload something. They want that constant reminder that you're there. Whenever I first started, I used one of those programs to where it auto-updated. I forget what they are now. Um, I haven't used it in a long time, but I, I had all these quotes. What is it? Hootsuite was one of those. Yeah. Across platforms, yeah. Yeah, and I had um, 
in like the bank, I had like 200 quotes and they were like, I don't know, like Oprah Winfrey quotes. And, and, um, it would pop up every 30 minutes. So if you do the math, 200 quotes popping up every 30 minutes, you were seeing the same quote several times a week. But my clients that were following me, they're like, oh, I seen that Oprah quote. And um, it reminded me that I need a massage. Yeah. So that's the same way that we're using Instagram now. And it's even better because that you have the video. I have personally, I haven't started using my Instagram like that. Um, for me, what works for me is because, because of my target market, I have so many uh, professional athletes that are following me. They check my followers. People check my followers and they're like, oh, there's a hundred professional athletes that follow her. So she must be good. Yep. See, it's, it's complete. Go ahead. I just, it completely verifies everything I think, but go ahead. I was about to say that that's your referrals right there. So on your online resume, there's your referrals, your followers, which may sound a little bit crazy, but it's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, so, social proof. It builds social proof. It's very hard to, you know, like you can look at my YouTube channel, for instance. Are my, my videos the most professional videos you've ever seen? No. Now, compared to an industry who doesn't make any videos, it's awesome because there's almost a thousand of them. <laughs> Like they, they see my progression over the years and go, man, this guy, wow, this guy is really dedicated to like health and wellness or, you know, pain relief. They trust me because of that. And that's the whole game really is just driving traffic, connecting with people, having them trust you. But that's a perfect representation through Instagram. Uh, do students still ask you regularly about whether they should have business cards? Absolutely. What do you say about that? I tell them, I mean, okay, um, if I answer <laughs> immediately, I'm going to tell, tell you what I tell students, and then I'm going to tell you, like, a little bit of background on that. Okay. So if a student asks me, I'm going to tell them it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to have some business cards in your bag to where if you're in an elevator, I get this a lot. I'll be in, like, one of the high-rises, and somebody asks me, the older people, older people ask, do you have a business card? And I hand them the business card. Um with that being said, I'm like I said, I'm moving, and I just found about 500 business cards stacked away that I didn't know I had. So, does it really matter? <laughs> business cards, Instagram, give them your Instagram, have your QRC code on your phone, have them scan your Q or yeah, scan, scan the code, get them in your account. One of the things I say too is like if I was in a networking event. And I met some people, let's say it was four or five people. I had them follow me on Instagram. If I had the time that evening, I would likely go in and send them a very quick video message. Hey, Russell, listen, it was great to connect with you at the event. If you have any questions for me after the fact, please feel free to reach out to me. I've linked my website right here if there's any information that you need additionally. Whoop. That... It, it blows my mind that they're not teaching this stuff in massage school. It seems so obvious in a way, but I feel like, you know, just in the same way that you taught me about Twitter all those years ago, I'm trying to bridge the gap between, uh, as educational, like between millennials and like an older generation of like boomers. And I'm kind of caught in the middle trying to ease this transition with social media and social media marketing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the follow-up with whenever you're networking, especially if it's people that are your, um, 
target market, you have to follow up. And social media, it, it makes it so much easier. So, so much easier. And I think that we're lucky in the fact that we're, we are in that middle ground to where um, we've seen the coming of age with social media to where we can be that bridge. Yeah, I just p pass on information. And w what really concerns me for, I'd say, boomers or like their businesses, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all, it's that they're failing to adapt to an internet marketplace. And I really wonder sometimes with massage schools in particular, when I talk to them and they have no social media presence, I'm like, I don't know if this business is going to be here in 10 years. Like, I don't really understand you know, it's like they're still playing the game from the yellow pages. That's not 2020. Like, the, the world is very drastically shifted. It makes me very nervous for their businesses, but it's not, you know, my personal concern. I can only get so involved. Right. I think there's so many people. They're like, well, it's worked for so long. Why would, why would I? What's the uh, saying? If it's not broke, don't fix it. So that's what they're thinking. They're still getting business right now, so they don't feel the need to fix it. But just like you said, are you going to be here in 10 years? I, I, I bring out the quote constantly from Henry Ford, and Henry Ford is quoted as having said, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they'd have said they wanted a faster horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the world, the world is changing just as far as its information flow, uh, connection with people. Massage schools in particular, I, I am consistently just floored at their lack of social media marketing. Um, it's it's very weird to me. I don't really understand it. And also, I think uh, because of the way I dress and the things I say or the F-bombs I drop, you know, I run it. It sounds like there's an anarchist with a phone like coming into your school and they're like, we got to get this guy out of here. Like, this is not <laughs> – we don't want him having an undue influence on the students. I can see that. I think that there are some pretty progressive um, teachers in our industry as well. And they, they're, they're, of course, they're not the school owners, but um, I think that there are some that have slipped in. And um, hopefully some of these massage therapists have learned from that. I honestly feel like when I was teaching, I was that teacher that I was in there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know the book says this, but fuck that. This is how it works in real world. <laughs> <laughs> dude people people oh man listen people in the massage entrepreneurs group there was a bad falling out with uh, another you know well-esteemed educator who started calling me names and it was like well i have a marketing degree where did you learn marketing and i posted a photo of easy e i was like <laughs> you think a marketing think a marketing degree impresses me? Uh-uh. Not in 2020, it don't. It's like, yeah, I'm congrat congratulations on spending $20,000 to get a degree from a university. They're not teaching me how to use Twitter and hashtags. Like, the world has changed. Like, street hustle is, is the language that I speak. Um, I've had lots of conversations recently about marketing and hip-hop specifically, and I can tell my audience is going, Robert's really white. Like, why does he keep talking about hip hop? Like, you know? but it's like they don't understand that as an entrepreneur, I'm looking at it from an angle as urban entrepreneurship. How do they build a brand, build a product, 
build a service, build a personal brand, build a lifestyle image, deal with merchandise, deal with digital distribution. Hip hop to me is the cutting edge of all of that. I agree. Then there's so many artists now that they are, um, they're building it without the old school. They don't have the, um, late major labels like they used to. There's, um, a Houston artist, Toby Wigway, and he has built, he's traveled the U S I think he's, he just finished his third tour and no major marketing, no PR all through social media. And if you're not identifying those leaders in other industries, and I agree with the hip hop, like then you're missing out on a whole lot of education. You're missing out on a whole lot of, um, how to's basically you see people doing it. And if you just take a little bit of what they're doing, Toby, let me, let me, let me talk about Toby for a second. So he wasn't, he's, he's good. He's really good at what he does. But with that being said, he's got started by doing a freestyle every Sunday. He put out a freestyle um, every Sunday. Then he started adding visuals to it. So he was doing visuals every single Sunday. He's kept it up this entire time. So it's not that he was doing a whole lot better. He was just doing a whole lot more than everyone else. Yeah, I, I, I just immediately appreciate the street hustle. We'll take just a quick break. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I just want you to appreciate my street hustle. Uh, if you want to pick up workbooks, DVDs, any kind of merchandise like that, you can do that at my website, robertgardnerwellness.com, in the store. When we're talking about going direct to consumer, a hip-hop guy releasing his music directly to the audience, the Reboot Insiders Club is my subscription service. It has 450 hours of my freestyle, which means me teaching classes, going through curriculum with students to build up the massage therapy practices of the future. It's $7 a month, but your first month is absolutely absolutely free. Again, you can check that out at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. And Megan, introduce yourself again and then go back into your discussion of, I believe his name was Toby. I'm Megan Weisheit. Um, my social media is Massage Megan on all platforms. Um, so yeah, I was just talking about Toby and how he would uh, put something out every every Sunday and he wasn't doing better than everyone else he was just doing more yeah you remind me of him in that sense at first not to say you're not doing better but at first you were doing so much more videos than everyone else still probably yeah i mean the thing is our our businesses have grown and like i respect you as a colleague you know i i take that with a, a great degree of pride um i just saw so I had to I had to make it work and I had I had a dream and then it was like how do you figure this out and hip hop in particular I think because of growing up in the south in Baton Rouge Louisiana growing up in that sort of environment the sort of street hustle applied into business to to get it done you know uh, 50 cent was like get rich, get rich or die trying that sort of attitude was what took over the business but you realized 
the gatekeepers and their way of dealing with regulation and schools and information flow was pre-internet. They still think of a class as just being in a physical room. And I'm like, why don't I teach online? And they go, oh, that's impossible. And I go, oh, whoa, they don't owe oh, oh, I'm like, Robert, now, now pour gasoline on the fire. Go. You have to teach them. You have to put out information faster and more than anybody else. You have to just basically eat up an entire portion of the industry. The thing about, is his name Toby? Mm-hmm. Now, I've never heard of him. I'm sure his work is great. I'm probably going to go find him after this to check it out. The thing is, he just has to find his fans. Once he finds his fans, he's making money. It doesn't yeah. matter if I listen to his music and say, this is horrible. I don't like this. It doesn't matter. It's like you just have to find your people. And when it comes to massage, like I've started to, to work with this uh, mentally. It's like um, I was talking about uh, like Dirty South Hip Hop and then like Crunk and like Little John. That does not exist in the massage industry. I don't think Lil John is unprofessional. I just think he's he's a hip hop guy. He works as you know a rapper, a musician. So it's like within a different industry, we just don't have that within the massage industry. And I keep thinking about what does that look like in massage terms because I've never seen it. I've never seen what you know people consider that level of notoriety in our industry. Uh, massage therapists will consistently bring up Eric Dalton, who amongst massage therapists is one of the more famous massage therapists, but the general public has no idea who he is. Absolutely. It's like, I mean, basically, I feel like we're trying to craft something people have never seen before. And I just go, hey, uh, my clients are clothed. Turn on the camera. Let's get to work. <laughs> and it's, it's slowly, you know, I get a lot of haters too, but it's slowly uh, building and growing, which I'm excited about. Absolutely. I would say, so with, um, with video, with massage therapists, um, photography with massage therapists, if you can do it, like you should be doing it. I struggle in my personal practice because I'm dealing with some of the top athletes in the world and they're nude. And what does that look like? First off, some of these people are charging a significant amount of money for you to take a picture with them. So then what do I look like asking them? So I've had a struggle in whether or not I'm going to start taking pictures or not. And I know there's several therapists that do take pictures with their high-end clientele, but um, I would vouch to say that they're not getting paid as much. Uh, talk to them and figure it out. Um, I can also say if you're looking for somebody to do some, I'm not a videographer, but if you're looking for somebody to do some basic photography and video shoots, I have a better idea of what people want to see in that photo or video. So I could come to Houston and just shadow you for a week and just like, my, my job is to shoot some video footage out mm -hmm. of that. Um, I'd be completely willing to do that just to hang out with you. And I'm really surprised at how many massage therapists aren't partnering up and doing that. For instance, like I live here in Austin. Massage therapists don't come to me and ask me to use my equipment to shoot video. They're like, mm -hmm. well, it costs thousands of dollars. And I'm like, you can use mine. And they're like, oh. Because when I take their excuses away, they're like, oh, but I'm afraid people will judge me if I'm in a photo. And I'm like... Okay, so be poor. <laughs> right, right, right. I think <laughs> we, both we of us choices here. Yeah, I think both of us were at a time at a point to where like you just had to make it work. You know, you're like, well shit, like 
I don't have anything. I can't go down any further. I only can, I can only go up. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's like your ship is burned. There is no retreat. It's like this is going to work or I'm going to be broke in poverty. So uh, for me, I think there are lots of options. What I would recommend is just talk to your clients. I think the way that they would individually deal with that is probably going to be different. Uh, some would want to. Some would c- to completely do it with no fee. Some might want a slight discount. Um, I think if you can get those photos, that would be advantageous to your practice in a big way. Absolutely. The decision that I made was to start asking, not necessarily while I'm massaging them, but selfies or what have you. I actually, um, and if anybody's listening, if you want to take this idea, um, I lost it. But I made this little thing that wrapped around the front of my massage table that had my social media stuff on it. So whenever they were taking a selfie in the headrest, like clients do all the time, it, they had it had to say my social media and their selfie. Nice. If that makes yeah, sense. It's a, yeah, it's it's it makes sense to me, but it's a whole new world. I, I told somebody um, that. Uh, so now there's TikTok, but at this time Snapchat was booming a bit more. And I said, "Listen, put your Snap code on the front desk on the counter." And they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Oh." Everybody who uses Snapchat can go whoop and like follow you because of your QR code, your Snap code. It's like, why would you not want people to follow you on social media or promote that sort of access? And people love to tell people what they're doing um, and where they're at. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? So yeah, Lisa, um, Lisa, if I don't pronounce your last name, uh, correct me. It's Wolker Storfer, I think. Uh, Lisa studies with me as part of the Reboot Insiders Club. She was talking about uh, taking videos of clients, and she said they don't usually have a problem with their setting up her camera and recording the session. And what she's been doing is just giving them a little bit of extra time in exchange for that. Nice. I think that's a great idea. My my issue is back to like who who the clients are, um, yeah. It's just like who they are because there's I have one client that won't even I'm not allowed to give his home address to people. I have to give an address for three houses away, and then they have to call me and then tell yeah. me where to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just right, and it, it's it's for their security. I mean, they're they're athletes, Absolutely. so yeah. There's other there's other issues there. Um, I think that in the end, it's like trying to promote people through my audience. So for instance, having you on the podcast, Megan, I think people aren't resistant to being on my podcast because they feel like I'm promoting them. But it's really that we're you know cross-promoting each other. Um, I think that people just aren't looking at networking in a way that is beneficial for everybody. When I go to a massage school and they're like, no, you have to put your phone away. I'm like, I'm about to check in at your school. Like, mm-hmm. I'm about to show... Like, I just don't understand that mentality. But then when you're dealing with, I think, elite athletes or people who are celebrities, oh, uh, different logistics. Have you had um, have you had people contact you, find you just because of your social media? Like, have you bumped into people who you do not know that know you because of your following online? I have both. I have people that contact me on Instagram all the time. And they're like, hey, I see you work with so-and-so. And they see that they're following me. So assume that they work with, I work with them. And I'd like to set up a session. I've had people um, 
one guy asked me to come out to the team that he plays for just for my social media. So, and then, yes. So in, um, here in Houston, like at the, on the gym scene, I can go into a gym and there's several people that know me just from my social media. Yeah. It's, it's, oh man, social media is so weird. (laughs) Isn't that right? because I grew up and um, Megan, I'm not sure of your age. I don't want to draw any uh, numbers to that. I'm 42. I remember as a kid watching the real world and road rules on MTV and the, the burgeoning of like reality TV programming and going, oh, they're kind of just filming people doing their own things because I guess like camera equipment and stuff is like commonly available enough that they can do that in a cost effective way. And now everybody's got a camera. Right. Absolutely. It's like, you know, I, I keep trying to explain to students. I'm like, you are Cinemax. You are HBO. You are pay-per-view. Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Like, they're like, oh, TikTok. No, I don't know. It's like, it's just weird girls doing like little dances. <laughs> I think- we'll take just a quick break. Hey guys, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. If you are interested in educational materials, uh, things with me, you can find all of that at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. In addition, we have a subscription service, which I really like to highlight. It is completely free for your first month. In addition to access to a private Facebook group where you can ask questions and get answers, every six months, you'll get six hours of CE credit. I call it a continuing education subscription service. Again, you can find all of that merchandise and retail at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. And Megan, continue with what you were saying about a celebrity uh, after you introduce yourself. And you can also give them like your social media links. I'm uh, Megan Weissite, Massage Megan on all social media. Um, I kind of forgot where, where we were at. Wait, we're talking about celebrity and like people meeting you out and about and like uh, a reality TV and how it ch- sort of changed the nature of everybody having their own camera with them. So um, I remember exactly where I was going with that. So I think that one of the best ways, well, the best way to um, retain clientele is connection. You're connecting with your client. You're building a relationship with your client. Relationship is where your clients don't go anywhere. So with that being said, social media is the easiest way for people to connect with you. So I think that there's a fine line because I am not as free as you are where I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to wear the shirt on my social media. But with that being said, you have to let them know that you're more than the role that you are to them. Yeah. Uh, the the line between personal and professional, I had this conversation with Dijon Culpepper. He's a therapist out on the West Coast in Seattle. I want to have him on the podcast again to discuss it because I think fundamentally the camera, the phone, is breaking down notions between Hollywood and uh, middle America. It's breaking uh, down the notion between Wall Street and Main Street, between personal and professional. I think it's changing the way that people are interacting with media altogether. Absolutely. I think one of the big things, too, is um, 
so many people they'll say um, business is business, personal is personal. Well, like shit, like my business is so personal because like if I'm not making money, I'm not getting paid. And then I like to live, I like to go on long vacations. I like to go to Hawaii for a month during the summer. And if I can't do that, then that's very personal to me because that affects who I am, my livelihood. So, um, it's, I think it's no longer business and professional. You, whenever you're in private practice, especially you are your business and you have to kind of let people know. You have to let people know who you are outside of massage. I think most therapists, they're being taught social media marketing by school owners, school owners who are boomers and have a very different notion of what's going on. Um, uh, Lisa was asking in the comments about, uh, do you have any advice for getting lots of followers? I know I have something to say about this. Do you have any thoughts on that, Megan? So I'm going to say it doesn't matter how many followers you have. It's all about interaction. So whenever I started with Twitter, I didn't have any followers for like two years. I think I may have had 16 followers, but in the first year, like I said earlier, I worked on almost 300 professional athletes. So um, as long as you're getting um, interaction, it doesn't matter about your followers. Yeah, the the follower count does have something to do, I mean, you know, building a following. Mostly what I tell therapists is just to make video content that's, you know, good to them. Continue to increase the production value, video quality, audio quality. Kind of use it to communicate with your market. One of the things people don't realize about my, say, my YouTube channel, if YouTube notifies me that somebody commented on a video, I'm almost always going to go in and actually comment after them. And acknowledge acknowledge them and say, hey, thank you so much for the comments, Steve. Listen, if you're looking for more, here's a link to another video related to that muscle I just delivered in this one or whatever. That sort of uh, handshake digitally really goes a a long way. I think that people are shortchanging social media as some sort of topical temporary fad instead of understanding that the digital technology is just simply eating industries and transforming communication. Absolutely. And another thing with the follower uh, with, with getting a lot of followers, um, so many people, hashtags are a thing, right? So people go in there and they'll, there's actually companies. I don't know if people know this or not, but there's websites that you can Google like top, top hashtags for massage therapy. And they're going to give you the top 50 hashtags or what have you. But with that being said, um, Figure out like what's popular in your area, what's popular with your target market, and how ha- you can hashtag that as opposed to what's popular in your industry. Ooh, man. I when, when I got called names by another educator, it was because I was encouraging the use of hashtags as like data collection to be able oh. to target your specific market. And I was oh, I was told it was stalking. Like they got what? very I, they got very <gasps> angry. And I'm like, but people give you the hashtags and they're like, no, you're, you know, they're, they're not intending for that information to be used that way. And I'm like, Ooh, in the age of Mark Zuckerberg and Ed Snowden and the constitution, we need to have a come to Jesus meeting because when people are hashtagging CrossFit and hashtagging Austin and giving me access to that data, I'm going to use it. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, I think you're stupid not to. Well, just th- but they went to business school. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's like, the thing is, too, it's like, it's just changed. That's all. It's just changed. Um, 
you know, I wouldn't recommend, like you mentioned, me drinking or like the shirts I wear. You know, I have a different social media presence that I'm still crafting and I can continue to change and tweak my image. That's one of the reasons I brought it up is because I've been having conversations internally uh, with my colleagues about how do you do that in a way to be able to stand out to draw more massage therapists to my message. In other words, if I'm sitting in a car with Post Malone, do they listen to me? Probably. You know, if, if I'm if I'm in L.A. or like I'm teaching a week long retreat in Hawaii, do they listen to me? So it's like you're dealing with this sort of image thing as a massage therapist with clients. But I'm also dealing with these multiple levels of networking with other business owners and then also networking with other educators or potential students. Mm, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, from a from an educator standpoint and you teach Megan. One of the things I chose was I just chose to be me and be authentic because I needed students who understood who they were going to take class with. Nothing irritates me more than another organization or company promoting my class and I get students who don't know me. It's like, it's like we're about to have a bar fight because they're like, this is not what I signed up for. And I'm like, you didn't do any research on me? <laughs> I think that that goes hand in hand with uh, building your clientele in a private practice. Like you have to show up with, with keeping in line with um, how you want to present yourself and your personality. You have to be true to who you are. And then in um, teaching, like when I teach business, I tell students all the time, identify what works for you because for, for you, that works. Whenever I was building my um, Twitter, I used to leave my phone number. I'd say, hey, Kobe, if you need a good massage, hit me up, 832, go on about my phone number. And people were like, you're so stupid. I can't believe you're putting your phone number on social media. And I said, well, I'll stop doing, doing it whenever it stops working. And I still do it. So... Same thing with um, like clientele. You have to be, you have to figure out what works for you and the good things about you and present yourself with that. And then um, stay true to that because nobody wants, um, nobody wants to work with somebody that's inconsistent. And if you're faking, you're going to be inconsistent. I mean, people can say what they want. I, I think authenticity was the lazy way. In other words, I didn't have to build a facade. I didn't have to act like someone I wasn't. I had a chance using social media to craft my image, and I continue to work on that in various ways um, to draw the sort of clients and students that I want. Um, it just doesn't look like marketing from 1985 with the yellow pages. I nearly eschew the mainline massage education and curriculum. Like I'm teaching something that's markedly different. I mean, let's put it this way. I'm a massage therapist who regularly works on massage therapists who tell me what I teach isn't massage. I don't really know what to do with that information. <laughs> I'm still trying to like figure that out because I'm like, well, if you don't think it's massage, then who do I sell it to? <laughs> it's like, it's not table cream glide and nudity, but I think massage and body work is actively, you know, very broad. It's just that what we're taught in school and that 500-hour core curriculum in Texas is just a small sliver of what the potential is. Right. I'd say a lot of massage therapists, too, what they, what they want is protocols. What I've found teaching, 
they want you to tell them, okay, step one, you're going to do a compression. Step two, you're going to do this. Where for me, that's not what sells. What sells is my um, clinical reasoning. The fact that I just had a punter come in and me understanding what a punter does and how a punter works and then being able to identify the muscles that need to be worked and the problems that need to be solved like you were talking about earlier. That, but that sort of mechanic mentality, they are not being taught that in school. I've seen so many students who come to me for a CE class just after they finished core curriculum. They just started working. They're already having physical problems, and I'm going, didn't they work on this in school? And they're like, well, no. Like if I worked in a school, the first, the first day, it would be like, John, what do you have problems with? My upper back, come here. I'm going to work on him. I'm going to demonstrate. Now everybody do it. <laughs> But that's not the way core curriculum seems to be structured. My curriculum and the way it's designed, I'm trying to help students solve problems. There is no like focus on relaxation in my curriculum specifically. I would vouch to say, too, um, with students, they're so caught up right now. Our students are caught up in um, passing their MBLEX that even if it is taught, they don't remember it. They're not holding on to that component because that's not something that they need in order to pass the MBLEX. That's what I found because I get students that come back and say, well, I wasn't taught that. And I'm like, yes, you were because I taught it to you. It's a lot of information in a 500-hour curriculum. I don't fault school owners for only having 500 hours. It's just, to me, <laughs> I mean, I had to think about it the other day. I think it's been like 18 or so years I've worked as a therapist now. It's really hard for me to take 18 years of practice and go, okay, let me compress all this and teach it to you in two days. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with that for sure. Yeah. So, uh, Megan, um, any uh, final uh, closing thoughts on anything you're uh, dealing with want to mention before we get out of here? Oh, I don't know. People, right now, I guess, with the massage entrepreneurs, I get a lot of questions on um, traveling and massage because that's something new for me, um, traveling for clients. And I think that that's um, super fun, first off. So this year I was able to travel to – the past two years I've traveled to Seattle once a week for NFL season. And I was able to travel to London this year for, um, some stuff. And I just think that that's something that's neat and fun and, um, different than the industry status quo. Yeah. Um, and I just think that people should know that those are options. There's several different things in our industry that you can do. You just have to put yourself out there and let people know that you're open. Yeah. You have to create business Absolutely. and create a connection. And that's what takes the most time. So Megan, listen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, if in the future you want to be on again and kind of go into more detail about specific subjects, I'd really love to have you. Um, I think you offer just a complete wealth of information in other areas that I'm not as familiar with. So it's very important for me to be able to get uh, information about you out there, hopefully increase your digital reach just a little bit. Um, I, I feel honored to be one of your colleagues. Let's put it that way. Ditto. Thanks for having me. I oh, appreciate very, very, very you and who you are in the industry so much.
And guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Again, if you're looking for any manual therapy, bodywork, time massage-related content information for workbooks, DVDs, our subscription service, which is completely free for your first month, go ahead and subscribe at robertgardnerwellness.com in the store. Also currently listed, I have classes in Fort Smith, Arkansas, Austin, Texas, and Chicago, Illinois with more to come. Stay tuned for updates about those new classes, and I appreciate Appreciate you and your time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And guys, you can follow me on whatever social media you use. I am rabid in using social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, Twitter. I'm on all of those platforms, including YouTube. Feel free to reach out and follow me on whatever platform you use.